December 2022, Aitken Partners Owners Corporation team ran a mock VCAT trial for a debt recovery hearing. This is the audio from that session. The video is available on Aitken Partners YouTube channel if you would prefer to watch the video. Deb Andronico is the narrator of the session, Paolo Tatti is the VCAT member, Oren Polichuk is the lawyer representing the OC, and Bao No is the property owner. This session runs for around an hour and 10 minutes. Enjoy. Uh, good afternoon. I think it's still afternoon. Um, thank you all for coming along uh, this afternoon or this evening, whatever it is. Uh, my name is Paul Tutti. I'm one of the principals here at Aiken Partners. Uh, I practice in litigation, insolvency, and occasionally in owners' court matters. But these days, I quite like to leave those matters to Deb. Um, I'm sure most of you uh, know Deb. Um, when it comes to all things OC, she's definitely our go-to person. Um, we're very pleased to welcome you uh, this evening for something that's a little bit different to the usual seminars that we would usually do. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that you'll all take something away from this. Um, a couple of housekeeping things before we start. If anyone needs the bathrooms, they're just by the lifts. Um, after the seminar, we'll do, well, um, what are we calling it? A mock hearing or um, something like that. Um, we'll have questions, answers, the rest of it. And then at about six o'clock or so, um, we'll have some food arriving. So please don't rush off um, after we're finished. Um, please feel free to hang about, mingle, have something to eat, have a few drinks. We'll all be around um, and uh, celebrate what is the last uh, Owners Corporation seminar we'll be doing for this year. So without further ado, I'll uh, hand over to Deb. Yeah, thank you all for coming. Um, as, I, as I was um, saying out there, um, I thought that this might just be a fun way to close out the year and it'll give you a bit of an insight as to what happens um, in the BCAT room when we do go after recalcitrant lot owners. Um, no doubt you'll find it entertaining and informative, so no pressure, guys. Um, <laughs> So I will be um, narrating as we go along just to um, go through the process, relevant sections of the Act or just a bit of an, um, uh, information as to tips and tricks um, along the way. But we will have um, a Q&A at the end. So if you've got any questions, please feel free to um, yell out. So, uh, yes, so we've got um, Val and Owen who are um, senior associate in our property and litigation team. Oren will be our owner's court solicitor. Father will be our member. Val is going to be our uh, recalcitrant lot owner. <laughs> Big shoes to fill for both of us. <laughs> you can just be a usual lawyer. <laughs> okay, so section 103, uh, section 100, sorry, subsection 3 of the VCAT Act provides that the tribunal may proceed to hear and determine the fee recovery proceedings on the papers or in the absence of the parties, despite any objection made by the respondent, if the tribunal is satisfied that the respondent's objection is not reasonable. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, parties. This is the hearing for Owners Corporation case OC486 or 2022. Owners Corporation PS12345B and Peter Kemsley. The matter's been listed in response to the respondent's notification he did not object to, sorry, he did not consent to the matter being determined on the papers um, because he disputes payment of fees. My name is Senior Member Allen, double L, if anyone asks. Um, you may refer to me as Member or Mr. Allen. 
Mr. Richards, you appear for the Applicant Owners Corporation. Good afternoon, senior you may member. Be seated. Thank you, senior <laughs> member. Good afternoon, senior member. Yes, I appear on behalf of the Applicant OC. And you take permission to appear today? I do indeed. I believe I would be of greatest instance to the tribunal here today. Mr. Kemsley, do you have any objection? Generally, the tribunal allows a legal practitioner to represent an owner's corporation given it does tend to assist. I mean, if this is going to progress the matter, I'm sure it's fine. I will allow the representation today. And of course, you are Mr. Kemsley. Mm. With a K, right? Of course. Then I am. Can I just confirm? K-E-M-S-L-E-Y? That's right. Mr. Kemsley. Um, Mr. Kemsley, before we begin, I'll ask you to read the oath or affirmation that's in front of you. Um, Mr. Richards does not need to do the same because he's a solicitor representing the owner's corporation. It's a matter for you whether you read the oath or the affirmation, depending on whether you're a religious or a non-religious person. And it just means that you will tell the truth and, and promise to tell the truth in everything you say during this hearing. I'll take an affirmation. Thank you. I solemnly and sincerely declare and affirm that the evidence I shall give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I stole Deb's thunder there by ad-libbing a little bit, but we'll move on. Thank you, Mr. Richards. I can see that you've filed a summary of proofs. Uh, Mr. Kemsley, have you seen this document? I'm a very busy person, so no, I have not seen it, but I'm sure it's sitting somewhere in my inbox. Okay, well, I might just have Mr. Richards walk um, us through it so that we can both go through it together. And then if you've got any questions, um, we can deal with that afterwards. Okay, so the summary of proofs um, is filed in lieu of the affidavit that we used to file pre-COVID and sets out the evidence that the OC relies on in bringing its claim against the lot owner. The summary must be accompanied by a stat deck signed by the manager or any other person that has access to the OC's records and accounts. Thank you, Senior Member. Um, Senior Member, the respondent, Mr. Kemsley, is the owner of Lot 24 and has instructed the OC, sorry, the respondent in this matter is the OC manager and has instructed um, us to issue notices um, via email to Peter Kemsley at his email address that he has notified us, which is peterkemsley at bigpond.com. The OC has issued the notice to the respondent via email on 12th of April 2022. It itemised all the levies claimed for the quarter commencing 1 January 2020 and the quarter to the quarter ending 30th September 2022, as you will see, it's been, been quite some time since Mr. Kendley has paid his owner corporation's levies. Well, well, we'll get to that in a moment. So, uh, fee notice is issued pursuant to section 31 of the Owner Corporation Act, and it is very important that the fee notice states that the lot owner has an obligation to pay the fees and charges within 28 days of receiving the note, or the date of the notice rather. It must state that interest at the rates that specified in the notice will be payable in respect of any overdue fees and charges, and also include details of the dispute resolution process that applies under the rules in respect of the disputed fees and charges. In addition, the fee notice must be in the approved form and must state that it has been issued in accordance with section 31 of the Owners Corp Act. 
if any of that information is missing, VCAP will not make orders because it will deem the fee notice invalid and therefore not served on the lot owner. Senior member, I note in addition that the OC has issued a final notice on 16th of August 2022 for the outstanding levies. Uh, similarly, the final fee notice is issued in accordance with Section 32 of the Owners Corporation Act and is not to be issued unless the money owing pursuant to the earlier fee notice has not been paid within the 28 days of the fee notice. So if you issue a fee notice today and you issue a final fee notice in a week's time, that's not valid. You have to wait the full 28 days before you can issue that final fee notice. Um, additionally, the fee notice must state that the lot owner has an obligation to pay the overdue fees and charges and interest immediately. The interest is payable in respect of the overdue fees and charges at the date of the final fee notice. The amount of the interest that will accrue daily until the payment of the overdue fees and charges has been paid and that the owner's corporation intends to take action under part 11 to recover the amount due if the overdue fees and charges and interest owing are not paid within 28 days of the final fee notice. The final fee notice must also be in the approved form and state that it has been issued in accordance with Section 32 of the Owners Court Act. Again, if any of this information is missing or it has been issued less than 28 days before the fee notice, VCAT will not make orders and will deem the final fee notice invalid and therefore the OC will have to start its application again. Uh, senior member, you will observe that the final notice was in the approved form and does include all the information generally required by Section 32. Uh, the levies claimed have been struck on Lot 24 in accordance with the lot liability and pursuant to the annual budgets approved at the 2019, 2020 and 2021 annual general meetings. And I assume you would submit that they have been issued at the appropriate times? Absolutely. Thank you. I can take that. I can see you, man, but through that if you'd like me to. But... No, that's all right. Mm. Uh, Section 23 of the Owners Corp Act requires that the levies struck on lot are in accordance with their lot liability. However, there um, is now a new Section 23.3a, which allows an Owners Corp to levy an additional fee on a lot owner using the benefit principle provided that the owner's corp has incurred additional costs arising from the particular use of the lot by the lot owner and an annual fee set on the basis of the lot liability of the lot owner would not adequately take into account those additional costs. Uh, senior member, I, I do note that interest on the overdue amounts has been applied pursuant to the resolutions that have been passed at those meetings I've just referred to and um, have authorised the OC to charge interest on arrears. You? <laughs> <laughs> um, section 29 of the Owners Corp Act provides that if authorised by a resolution at a general meeting, an Owners Corp may charge interest on overdue arrears in accordance with the Penalty Interest Rates Act of 1983. In the absence of such a resolution, the OC can't charge interest. 
we recommend that the resolution is passed every year at the AGM so that there can't be any dispute because lot owners tend to always want to dispute interest if they think that they've got a losing case or if they're trying to strike a deal with the OC. So in order to avoid any doubt, we want to make sure that we can tell VCAT, yes, we passed it at the last AGM. Uh, senior member, you will observe that the total amount claim is um, quite substantial as the overdue levies and interest is $10,254.75. This is a significant amount for the operation of the OC management. The OC naturally also seeks orders for both its reasonable costs and legal costs incurred in this proceeding. So new section 1651CA of the Owners' Corporation Act gives VCAT the power to order a lot owner to pay the owners' corporation's reasonable costs incurred by the owners' corporation in recovering the unpaid amount from the lot owner. This is not costs of the proceeding, so it's not the usual $750 order that VCAT makes. This is in addition. So reasonable costs may include the manager's 2.2 charges under the contract of appointment for issuing the final fee notice or what we commonly call a late fee and also the um, OC's legal costs before the application was filed. So it might be the legal costs incurred for issuing a 7 or 14 day letter of demand. And I will um, discuss a little bit further on that. So thank you, sir. Um, I've had an opportunity to look at your summary of proofs and confirm that, in my view, the notices were issued pursuant to Section 31 and 32 of the Owners' Corporation Act. I also confirmed that those fee notices include the details of the dispute resolution processes that apply under the rules in relation to any um, disputed fees and charges. And otherwise, to my mind, they appear in the prescribed form. Um, the applicant also, on my reading of all of the material, has complied with its obligations and um, with the application, which has been filed in accordance with Part 11 of the Owners' Corporation uh, Act and is therefore entitled to proceed. Uh, so Section 162 of the Owners' Corp Act gives VCAP the power to hear and determine a dispute or any other, other matter arising um, within the Owners' Corporation Act, the Owners' Corporation Regulations or the Owners' Corp Special Rules. The amendment to Section 18 of the Owners' Corporation Act came into effect last year and provides that the Owners' Corp does not need to pass a special resolution to issue a debt recovery proceeding is less than 100k. However, if you're seeking to recover more than 100k, um, for example, we've got an OC that's trying to recover um, just short of 500k worth of unpaid insurance levies. Um, a special resolution will be necessary to proceed before the cap will hear the matter. Um, I did test this and um, argued with Member Rowland that it was not the legislature, it should not have been the legislature's intention to make it harder. Uh, while she agreed, she had to go with the way the acts um, have been written and therefore we had to go back and issue a, um, a ballot to get the special rats. So luckily we did in that one, but um, I would recommend that the OC tries to get the um, special res from the get-go so that the matter can just proceed smoothly. But I wouldn't imagine that there'd be too many that are over 100K. 
Now, Mr. Kemsley, um, I've spoken to the Owners Corporation's lawyer a fair bit, and most of what we've discussed is legal talk, um, and that's just to confirm that all of the paperwork is in order um, for the Owners Corporation to proceed. Um, and to my mind, unless there's anything you'd like to tell me about the form of the notices or the paperwork, it does appear that way. I would note that you filed multiple documents um, outlining a, a number of grievances against the Owners Corporation and the manager, but it's unclear to me why you say that the levies that are the subject of this proceeding are not due. So if there's anything you'd like to, to say to the tribunal, now's your time to explain um, those reasons. I've actually got a lot of things to say. Um, <laughs> for started, my ex-wife was not untitled, but I believe she should be here at the moment. Her name is Dorit Kemsley. Um, I don't know why I'm, it's a waste of money. So just on that point, are you on title to this property? Well, yes, I am. So, so that's the reason why you were here. Um, the fact that you might have a grievance with your ex-wife um, is not relevant to this dispute. So what I need to understand is why you say that levies that have been given to you by the owners corporation, they've sent you a notice, they've sent you a final fee notice and you haven't paid, why you say you shouldn't pay those. I'm just not happy with them. I mean, what have they done for me? the last three years. Um, I mean, the, the things that they're asking for and the things that I've been chasing, it's just, they're just not good managers. I've been asking for the furniture in the lobby to be changed for the last six months. It's old and cheap and it looks tacky. It looks tacky. People have come to me and said, your furniture in the lobby look tacky. Can you believe that? I'm not paying this amount of money for tacky furniture. Well, well, look, I live in an apartment complex and I understand that completely, but one of the things that um, you need to appreciate is that this is not the time and place for that grievance. All lot owners are obliged to pay fees to the owners' corporation in accordance with the um, lot entitlement um, that they're attributed. Um, every lot owner needs to pay that to ensure that the owners' corporation can function and provide services to the building. Your grievances might be legitimate, I don't know, but now's not the time and place for those grievances to be brought before the tribunal. You have other options if you're not happy with the manager and if you're not happy with the owners' corporation committee, for example, going on to the committee yourself. But unfortunately, even though your grievances might be well-placed, they're not a matter for the tribunal today. Um, you need to pay fees just like every other lot owner needs to pay their fees, and that obligation arises under the Owners' Corporation Act. If you're not happy with the manager, you need to go along to a meeting and raise those grievances, get onto the committee, but that's not a matter for today, sir. You want to talk about services being provided. What about the one metre grass that's growing outside? Again, they might well be valid grievances, but that doesn't mean you don't get to pay your owner's corporation fees. Every lot owner in your building needs to pay and that's passed by way of budget and other things that happen at the AGM. If you have these grievances, and they might be legitimate, they need to be raised at the meeting, and you should perhaps consider getting onto the committee. Um, and if you've got a grievance with the manager, I would suggest that you send them an email setting out your issues. And if you're not happy, it might be better to get legal advice about your options. No, no, no. I don't want to be part of the committee. I'm too busy to be part of the committee. And they're calling these meetings at really weird hours of the day. Again, um, that might well be true, but this is a fee recovery proceeding. The legislation is clear. Every lot owner needs to make a contribution to the owners' corporation. Tribunal member, I'd like to be noted on the record that 
The 24th of December is not an awkward time to host an event. <laughs> well, um, so that, that might be your view, but if that matter came before the tribunal on a, on a different application, I might have a very different view and will restrain you from doing that. So if your client is holding meetings on the 24th of December, um, perhaps uh, uh, this lot owner should be bringing a different application before the tribunal. Are you inviting that today, sir? No. No, so perhaps we'll leave it there. Um, coming back to you, um, there are options available to you. There are options, um, but unfortunately, this is not um, the forum for that particular grievance to be raised. Every lot owner needs to pay, and when what one lot owner doesn't pay, it impacts the entire owners' corporation. It impacts on insurances. It impacts on all sorts of things that it's in your interest to be paid. So as much as you might be unhappy, and it might well be the case that that's rightfully so, you need to take the appropriate steps. And not paying your um, owners' corporation fees are not the right step to take. I've received no direct benefit from the things that they're proposing. Well, um, as you'll know, if you look at the budget, I'm sure that the owners' corporation is covering things like insurance for the building. There might be lift maintenance. So I'm assuming that this is a multi-level um, dwelling. There are all sorts of benefits that you will receive. But if that's your grievance, that's fine. It's not a matter for today, sir. Okay? Well, they've caused me significant distress. Sir, that, that, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But unfortunately, I'm going to stop you there because all of those grievances are not a matter for today. The Owners Corporation has given you the relevant fee notices. They have served you with those fee notices. And in accordance with not only the Act, but the resolutions that the lawyer for the Owners Corporation has shown me, um, it does appear to me that unless there is any legal reason you shouldn't pay, um, you will need to pay that amount. This is total BS. Total BS. So this is a tribunal. I'll ask you to just restrain yourself. I appreciate <laughs> that this is um, a little bit emotional for you and that you do have some grievances. But as I keep saying, um, we're here to apply the law and those grievances cannot be dealt with today. So you're saying I've got no choice but to pay this sum of money? I'm saying that if there's a legal reason for you not to pay the money, I will hear that. But based on your grievances, they are not appropriate reasons for the tribunal not to grant the orders that the owners' corporation is seeking today. Is there any legal reason under but I, the owners' but I corporation? Told you, I told you my grievance. And, and I've heard you and I've explained to you the reason. So unless there's anything more than what you've already told me, I'm going to um, proceed with the hearing. This is a tribunal and we do have contempt powers, so I'll ask people sitting in the gallery to please be quiet and wait until their matter is heard. Thank you, sir, or I'll have you removed. <laughs> Just put up an excerpt um, from the orders that are made from BCAT um, when they list matters um, to be determined on the paper. But in all our experiences, um, I think it's safe to say that lot owners generally don't pay their levies because they have an unrelated grievance um, with the OP or the manager, or they don't understand what they've been asked to pay or why they've been asked to pay, or some other random unrelated reason as to why they haven't paid. Um, another common response um, to the proceeding is, well, if the manager picked up the phone and bothered to call me, I would have paid. Whether that's true is another story, but that seems to be um, 
one of the excuses as to why they haven't paid. Um, so I've written here in most in instances, in most, not all, a uh, telephone conversation with the lot owner before instructions are given to the solicitor to issue proceedings may resolve the matter. Um, that's not necessarily the case. I think um, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. It might be part of your business strategy to make that phone call. It might not be. But um, if it's a lot owner that's maybe defaulted once or twice here and there, it might be worth make, giving that call. But if it's a lot owner that's constantly late, um, breaching the rules and doing all those sorts of things, then it's probably going to be a waste of time and you might as well just go straight to VCAT. But um, as Bao has demonstrated, um, there's the sorts of reasons why people generally don't pay and the sorts of grievances that we hear when we are um, in the tribunal and not on the papers. Now, sir, can you please remind me of the amount of the claim and confirm whether or not that includes interest? Yes, senior member. That amount was um, $10,254.75. And yes, the manager is telling me that that does include interest owing on the final fee notice. Thank you. And what interest do you claim from the date of the final fee notice to today's hearing? Uh, interest from the 16th of August, the date of the final fee notice, to today in the sum of... $345.20. Thank you. And are you claiming reasonable cost for today? Absolutely. And can you tell me what they are? Uh, we claim the sum of $440 for reasonable costs, which comprise $330, which is a bargain these days, for a letter of demand. I'll ask you to stop at the commentary, sir. It's not. <laughs> issued to the respondent by my firm before this proceeding was filed and a further fee of $110 for the manager's time to review the lot account and issue the final fee notice. And do you have proof that those costs were in fact incurred by the owners' corporation? Yes. The OC has received an invoice from uh, my firm for the letter of demand. I believe it may have made its way to the file. Yes. And the manager's fee has been incurred pursuant to Schedule 2.2 of the manager's contract of appointment, dated 15th of April 2020. Um, and once again, this is, I believe, included in the summary proof. Yes, I've got that. Um, as you'll be aware, the tribunal's got a discretion when it comes to these costs and it can exercise them however it deems proper. I've looked at the material and I'm only going to allow a sum of $200 um, for those costs, in part because you were trying to be smart. Will the senior member hear me? Uh, <laughs> the senior member will not. I'm going to allow $200 for the costs. As the tribunal, please. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Oh, reasonable costs. Um, there was a, the test case of Owners Corporation and Singh, where the tribunal um, chose three proceedings as the test case, as examples of the types of claims for costs incurred in recovering unpaid owners court fees from lot owners, other than costs in the proceedings. The reasonable costs awarded in the three cases were not the same. And as such, there's no clarity as to how much fee count will award. So we don't have a set um, fee, such as the legal cost where it might be 550 for claims under 3K, 750 for claims over 3K. Um, we don't have a set figure. Um, every order that I've received in the last couple of months has been different as well. Um, we recommend including in the summary of proofs um, the solicitor's um, invoice for the letter of demand and also a copy of the manager's contract of appointment to recover any of your 2.2 charges. Um, so 
way back when we used to include the manager's contract of appointment in the affidavit. We then took that out because it was a lot of paperwork and it seems that it's now back in. Um, we're not currently including minutes of um, meetings, but that's yet to be seen. However, one thing that I did take away from the Anson case is that if you're um, issuing multiple um, final fee notices before you get to VCAT, you might wait three or four quarters to let the uh, amount of the claim bank up. VCAT's not going to give you three or four 2.2 charges, they'll only give you one. If you're issuing um, against multiple lots against, um, owned by the lot owner in the 1OC, you may get a discounted amount for the multiple, for the one fee notice for the multiple um, uh, lots. But again, it's currently on a case-by-case -case basis, um, yet to see if VCAT's going to come up with the schedule as to what they deem reasonable and what they deem as overkill. So watch this space. Uh, before I go back to the lot owner, sir, I assume you also seek legal costs of today? Ah, uh, yes, senior member. Given the quantum, we seek legal costs in the sum of $750. And I will say that this includes the filing fee of $321.10. Thank you. Now, so the discussion I've just had with the solicitor is in relation to costs, as you've heard. Um, the owner's corporation is entitled to certain costs, having had to bring this today. I've knocked back the request that's been made for the full cost because I didn't consider that to be reasonable. However, proceedings did have to be issued um, for the owner's corporation to um, recover these fees from you. And the amount that's now being sought for those legal costs, being 750, including the filing fee, is in my view very reasonable and generally what the tribunal would order. Um, do you have anything to say about that? That's not reasonable. 750 to do what? Now, um, obviously, an application had to be made to the tribunal. A summary of proofs, which you've seen today, setting out the basis, the fee notice, the final fee notice, the interest calculation. Um, all of the ancillary documents and, of course, the time for being here today. Um, in my view, it is reasonable and it is generally what the tribunal grants in these cases. What about my time for being here? I mean, the amount of time that I had to call the manager and receive no calls back, I don't get why I have to pay this $750. Well, um, had you paid at the time the fee notices were issued, you wouldn't be in this position. You chose not to pay them. And as I've said before, you might well have some valid grievances against the owner's corporation, but this isn't the forum for that. As a lot owner, you, just like everyone else, needs to pay your fees. Now, the owner's corporation has been put to the trouble of coming here to seek those. It is not fair for other lot owners to receive or to pay their money on time and have the full benefit of that money applied to the owner's corporation. The fact that costs have been incurred, they should recover those so that the full amount of what you owe is made available to the benefit of the owner's corporation. But I've spoken to my friend. Sir? I've spoken to my friend. I, I, I don't care what you've spoken to your friend about, sir. They, they don't want to charge me sir, sir, um, The tribunal generally grants these orders, and unless there's a very good reason for me not to, I'm going to make that order. Well, you can make the order. I'm right. Well, I'm going to allow $750 um, in legal costs. Starting position at VCAT is that all parties bear their own costs. However, it's common practice in owners corp in the owners corporation list that costs will be awarded in debt recovery cases, as VCAT has taken the view that it is reasonable for the owners corporation to engage a solicitor in debt recovery matters. 
and it is fair to require the recalcitrant lot owner to pay a higher portion of the illegal costs compared to all the other lot owners. So BCAT relies on the power in section 109 of the BCAT Act um, to use its discretion to make those um, cost orders. We generally tell the um, owners' corporations to leave the full amount on the lot owner's um, account and if it's then challenged, then you would have to remove the uh, extra amount compared to what was um, uh, ordered by VCAT. And so it might be two or three hundred dollars more and then that amount would have to be issued on all lot owners in accordance with lot liability. Right. Uh, so we've come to the uh, part of the hearing where I'll proceed to make orders. Um, I've now heard uh, from both of you. I've made some decisions, so I'd be grateful if you didn't interrupt me so I could get through this. Having examined the summary of proofs before me, I find the respondent is the lot owner of lot 24. The applicant has served upon the respondent a fee notice on 12 April 2022 and a final fee notice on 16 August 2022. Um, the uh, fee notice and final fee notice were in the appropriate form. The application before the tribunal contains all the relevant material. I'm satisfied on the summary of proofs that I should make the following orders. I'll order number one. Uh, the Applicant pay the respondent, sorry, the respondent pay the applicant the sum of $10,254.75 for overdue levies and interest. Two, the respondent pay the applicant $345.20 for interest from the final fee notice stated 12 August 2022 to today's date. Three, the uh, uh, respondent pay the applicant the sum of $200 for the applicant's reasonable costs in bringing these proceedings. And four, the respondent paid the applicant the sum of $750 for the applicant's legal costs. That brings the total amount to $11,549.95. Um, sir, do you agree with that amount? Just need to recalculate. I was expecting some higher reasonable costs. But uh, yes, <laughs> I, I made my decision on that, sir. So I, I, I understand. Do you have any about... issue with the calculation that I've... I'm not paying. I told you. <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, it is an order of the tribunal, so it is expected that you will comply with the same. If you do not, um, and you do not want to comply, I suggest you get some legal advice. The Owners Corporation has certain enforcement powers available to it, including taking action in registering it in the Magistrates Court, and ultimately they may in fact be able to sell your property. So if you're not going to comply with an order of the tribunal, I seriously suggest that you go and get some legal advice. Um, because a breach of the order is quite um, a serious matter. Um, otherwise, is there anything else from the owners' corporation side, sir? Uh, no, I don't believe you, senior member. Thank you very much for no? your time. Um, thank you for coming today. I appreciate you have some grievances, but the law requires me to make certain orders. Um, I've made those orders. The parties will receive a copy of those by email in the next few weeks. Um, as I say, sir, I'll just reiterate, it is a very serious thing if you do not comply with an order of this tribunal. I suggest you go and get some legal advice. Um, I'll otherwise adjourn the hearing. And thank you. You may both leave. So, as um, the member mentioned to the lot owner. Senior member. Senior member. I got um, promoted during the hearing. <laughs> Um, once an order has been made by BCAT, in order to take further steps for enforcement, it's got to be um, registered in the Magistrates Court, and that's a sample of what the orders look like now. Um, so we, we can either go down the path of garnishing rental wages 
we can go down the path of issuing a warrant to seize property. And then if there is no property that can be seized, we can uplift to the Supreme Court to sell the actual lot um, by a public auction. Um, we can issue a bankruptcy notice um, or we, if it's um, a company lot owner, we can take steps to wind up the company. So um, it all depends on the amount of the order and um, the OC's preference as well, but we always assess it on a case-by-case -case basis. And what we do for one lot owner doesn't necessarily mean it's what we'll do for the, their next door neighbour in the same OC. So thank you for watching our presentation and we'd be happy to take any questions. <laughs> so to be on the safe side, when it comes to our living owners, shouldn't we tell them to use a reading to see whether or not they do comply? Because if we're ever in that situation where that happens period after period, um, what happens then if, if you notice that the levy notice itself doesn't comply with the requirement? If your levy notice doesn't comply, you'd have to issue brand new levy notice. You can itemise everything because VCAT doesn't take too kindly to balance brought forward in um, uh, fee notices unless you go back and provide every single one. If you've got any doubt as to the validity of your fee notice and final fee, we're happy to have a look. But a lot of the programs um, that the owners corps use will generally... Um, create the notice and it should have everything on there. But if you're creating your own, um, that might be when it might be worth having us just cast our eyes over it. Although I cannot say I have had experience, I'm sure you have as well, where some of these off-the-shelf programs that managers have been using, um, the notices aren't compliant. Mm -hmm. And and the most common um, issue is actually just the notice that needs to be provided on the back, which is in the regs. Yeah. Um, it should just be a matter of copy and paste. Um, but the number of times I've actually seen a program spit out the notice wrong is incredible. Um, in particular, the interest. Um, for yeah. some bizarre reason, a number of the programs I've seen get the interest statement wrong. Um, and there's one other one that's quite often wrong. It's towards the bottom part that appears in bold. Um, anyway, the, the, the wording gives the same message. The wording gives the same message, but there's a couple of critical words missing. Um, and I've seen, luckily, it hasn't been in any of the cases I've done, but I've been in the tribunal before where the tribunal members picked up on that and said, notice is invalid. Yeah, and just making sure that that dispute resolution notice um, is included um, because it doesn't seem like a big deal and it should not affect whether or not the levies um, were valid struck. But if you get a lot owner that um, picks up on that technicality... Or a member. Or a, mem or a member... Um, your matter is going to get struck out um, and all it takes is just that one to then set off all the other lot owners. I had one probably about six or seven years ago where the program always spits out that second notice. There was a glitch in the system that day. We uh, got our case um, with, uh, thrown out of VCAT and he created a Facebook page to alert all his fellow lot owners we had to end up withdrawing everything, um, even um, debt recovery letters, because we thought, okay, well, it's just not going to be worth the fight. Just reissue and do it all properly. And a number of you, sorry, a number of you will have done your own fee recovery hearings without lawyers, I assume, and you'll have seen the difference in members. 
I mean, there are some members that will just go through the motions. There are others that will entertain, you know, stories like that for a little bit and they'll give them a bit of rope and then they won't. There are others that will just cut them off at the heels and say, no, nope, not listening. And there are others that will literally scour through every word of the proofs that you filed, every word of the notice you filed, and they'll look for any reason to knock it back. So it really does um, depend on who you get. And that's why something like your fee notices and your final fee notices, because you use them so often, get them right. You know, just make sure, in, and as I say, in particular, that notice on the back, it's in the regs. It's a copy and paste. Um, if you are using an off-the-shelf program, go to the regs and double-check that it's actually word-for-word word what's in there. Sorry. Yeah, and, and to your point, a lot of these software providers are national companies that don't always yeah. differentiate the templates by state. Yeah. We'll be more on that. Uh, but for the um, dispute resolution on the fee notice and final fee notice, or file fee um, not so much? Not so much on the final fee notice. There's some managers that provide it in both to cover all bases. Um, the Act requires it to be in the fee notice. The main thing about the final fee notice is the interest component. So if it says 10% but doesn't provide a daily figure, some members won't even allow interest just based on that. So it's just making sure that all these little technicalities um, have been complied with on your notice. But if you're wanting to overkill and have it included in both, then there's no reason why not. That's not necessary. Yeah. Uh, and again, to support what you said, if there's anything technicality wrong in any yeah. of your notices, they get wrong. Yeah. 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 compensation for reoffenders. Let's say the lot owner paid this time. The next year, we're back at it again with the same lot owner, same story, year after year. Is there any penalization for it or any disencouragement, or it's just a process you have to go No, it's just a process you have to go through. So unfortunately, um, we can, when we're making submissions to the tribunal, say, well, you know, we've done this three other times in the last 12 months um, with this lot owner, but they treat it on a case-by-case -case basis, it might just make a more compelling case to have costs awarded, if anything. Um, we've also, I've also had um, instances where the OC has been a little bit slow in taking action, but we've had three different proceedings on foot all at the same time because it's final, the final fee notices have covered three different periods. And again, they might all be heard together, but VCAT will still treat them on an um, individual basis. Let's say the lot owner does and it goes to a bankruptcy proceeding or something of that sort. What's the standing or the fire class of standing against other uh, people that, let's say, the bank is recovering the house? Mm -hmm. Who gets preference? And if you have to wait 28 days from one to the other, and you have bankruptcy here, you know, the timing would be critical. Is there any exception you can make? Like, you know, I made my first notice 28 days ago. Like, how does it work? Uh, time-wise or preference-wise in a bankruptcy proceeding? So the debt runs with the land. Um, you can make the um, lot owner bankrupt. If the mortgagee has issued proceedings, we are, I, in most cases it's usually not a large OC, so we normally advise them not to um, issue any proceedings and just let the bank's um, process take its course because you will get paid at settlement because the debt runs with the land, not with the individual. You're running two separate issues there. Um, I, I do a lot of bankruptcy and insolvency stuff. 
even though an owner's corporation might bankrupt someone, you don't need to worry about your standing or pari passu with other creditors and the like, because you'll never get to a point where you're going to have to um, put in a proof of debt with the trustee in bankruptcy. Um, as long as the property is sold, um, and you know whether that's by the trustee in bankruptcy or the mortgagee, the owner's court fees are going to get paid because, as Deb said, it runs with the land. So no purchaser is going to buy the property without a certificate from you guys saying this is how much is owed and that amount being adjusted at settlement out of the proceeds. So it, it, the only time it would ever conceivably become an issue is if the mortgage um, is higher than what the value of the property is. Absolutely. Now, if that happens, um, uh, even then, you would arguably still have rights against the new um, owner of the property. So you never really end up in, in that situation because under the Act, it just runs with the land. It's, like, it, it's almost a statutory charge, if you like. So it's like, you know, rates. Um, it, it's, you know, it has the same standing as those things. And in my experience, banks will treat owners called fees as though they were rates, yeah. as though they were any of those other commonly found um, things on a, a statement of adjustments where um, if it means they don't get paid their full amount, they'll still be adjusted because no person in their right mind, so there are people that will do it, um, they're just, you know, not in their right mind or they haven't sought advice, is going to buy a property where they haven't got clearance from rates, council, water rates, OC, um, and, and know that they're taking it on day one with zero liability. So uh, technically it's possible, hypothetically it's possible. It, it, it's very unlikely, you know, very, very unlikely would ever happen. Yeah. Yeah, from the owner's point of view, can the penalty interest be challenged because it doesn't reflect uh, current market values and for years it's been very low. But so the penalty interest rate is um, determined by the Attorney General and so whatever that is pursuant to the Penalty Interest Rates Act is what the OC can charge. You can't charge more. Um, I've never seen an OC charge less. They usually either resolve to charge penalty interest in accordance with the Act or not to charge interest. But um, yeah, it looks like it's been set to 10% for the next um, 10 years or so. You know, 20, and the other thing that's important to remember is that there's two levels of interest. There's the interest that's under the fee notices and under the OC Act. And so if you don't have your resolution, you're not getting that interest and the tribunal won't order it. But once the tribunal's made an order, it automatically attracts statutory interest from that day until it's paid. So there's two levels of interest here. So even though if you haven't got your resolution um, in place or the tribunal finds some technical reason not to permit interest between the date of the final fee notice and the hearing, the second the tribunal makes an order, that interest rate kicks in. So until it's paid, um, interest will start accruing at that penalty interest rate. Yeah, and um, if, we, if we issue a warrant to seize property, we will calculate interest from the date of the registered order to the date of the, um, the warrant um, that we file. Um, the courts used to do it all through snail mail, so there'd be four weeks in between. So you'd be able to claim four weeks worth of interest. They After said, four weeks until registry give you the audits. Yes, and, and then um, the, date, the date of the order um, compared to the date that we receive it um, is maybe only two or three days, so you're only getting a couple of dollars worth of interest, but we still put it in. 
So, so the interest under the fee notices is only until the date of the order when, and for practical purposes, it's the same percentage. So it doesn't matter. It's only if the fee notice doesn't have the appropriate wording on it for interest or the owner's corporation hasn't passed the resolution that you might lose the interest pre-order, but you're going to get interest post-order or a lot owner is going to be obliged to pay that post-order until they pay. Uh, costs and expenses, could you also go for damages? If you were fined along the way, if there wasn't enough money to pay insurance, something happened and you got a fine or the fire extinguishers were not fined, whatever, you get, you get fined for it. Could you go for damages against the lot owner because you didn't comply with your obligations on time and you were fined? No, in the case that's um, had to do that, I suppose if we can make out the claim, we can certainly Put it in our application, and it's a matter for the tribunal. You need a special res though. Then, to, well, it, it, it depends on. Um, no, if it's under a hundred k, we can damages. Yeah. And the, 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 the issue there, it's a complicated issue that it would depend on all of the circumstances. But just because the OC doesn't have money to pay, doesn't mean it doesn't have the obligations it has under the legislation. Mm. So, for example, like we've dealt with a fairly large owner's corporation, um, you know, two towers in the city where, well, 60% of lot owners haven't been paying, you know, and, and so there's been huge issues, you know, litigation, all sorts of reasons they haven't. Um, and so special levies needed to be raised to, you know, try and get some money coming in quickly to be able to pay these things. Um, I think if, if that circumstance arises where the owner's corporation wasn't in a position to um, maintain, you know, an essential service, um, things like that, definitely get advice ASAP as to your options because I don't think it's going to be good enough to point the finger at 10 lot owners who haven't made the payment. Um, there's, you know, obligations, duty of care, all of those things, both on the owner's corporation but also the managers. Um, you shouldn't forget that as a manager, you're sort of the custodian of the owner's corp. You're engaged under a contract to perform particular services. It's not to say that you're obliged to put your hand in your pocket and, and do these things, but there are obligations to take certain steps. And if it's a case where, you know, you can't get the fire extinguishers up to code, um, there are real problems. There's real exposure at all levels. Um, and you should be thinking about things like an administrator, you know, things like that. Someone to come in and, and fix the problem. Um, conceivably, could you sue someone? Uh, I have some doubts. I think it's possible. Um, and Deb will tell you I'm pretty creative when it comes to suing people for things like that. But, you know, you can't say that that lot owner's money was going to go to paying that service. And, and so it's a causation issue. You know, if you're not paying and there's 100 owners, and you know that was the ten grand you needed to service the, the you know. But let's say the case of the five hundred thousand more. We're talking about big amounts. If you tell all the other lot owners we have to do a special levy to cover for this guy that's not paying, they would probably say no, that's his problem. Uh, but but again, their rights are to go to the tribunal and complain about those levies. You know, it's the same exchange we were having before. You know, that's not the question for today. Um, you know, if, if the owners corporation 
um, you know, if the committee agrees to make that levy, then until the tribunal comes in and says, no, that levy is improper, that's a proper levy. So again, it's an issue for committees, and it's an issue for managers who are advising committees. Um, I suggest you get advice very early on in those cases, but quite often one of the things that's overlooked is the appointment of an administrator. And it doesn't have to be a liquidator. Like it can be an accountant, it can be an independent person, um, but sometimes you need that sort of person to come in and, and break the, the divide that's existing. But I, I don't think you should assume that because, you know, 50% of lot owners aren't paying, that they're going to be responsible if something goes wrong. I had a situation where we had one in a garden where we were going to take some works because it was old, people were falling over, tripping over. Um, we tried a similar argument of because these two lot owners haven't paid, we haven't been able to do the works, the tribunal didn't get it, didn't buy it. And you do have to be really careful. I mean, I'm trying to remember exactly the circumstances, but, you know, on occasion I've sued an OC on behalf of a client, you know, for something that's a bit creative in terms of breaches of duties and things like that. And as much as we all have that experience of there's, you know, 170 members of the tribunal, probably 50 of them sit in OC from time to time, put the same case before 50 members get 50 different outcomes, when someone gets a bit creative against an OC, they do tend to try and protect the owner's corporation and the manager, unless there is clearly something wrong. And that's for good reason. I mean, people make up all sorts of crap. And you, you guys, you know, the managers in the room, you guys will hear that every day of the week. You know, someone hates you because you didn't um, cut the grass this week and you should have, you know? There's a chipped wall somewhere. You know, they'll find something ridiculous to run. Took me nine um, calls in 20 minutes before I finally got a response yeah, from the manager. You know, <laughs> I, I, I called this person 10 times and they never responded. And when did you make those calls? All within 30 minutes of each other. Like, duh, of course they're not going to respond. They're busy. Um, so the tribunal will try and protect where it needs to against those spurious sort of claims. But it's a double-edged sword. Um, what if we cannot trace the lot owner with the situation we can't trace the owners to serve the legal documents? I would recommend getting a private investigator to do a skip trace. Um, if they're not um, living in the property, then we would see if there's someone that is living in there that can provide us with some information. Um, otherwise, yeah, get a PI and see what they can find because they've got access to all um, sorts of databases. And it's relatively inexpensive these days just to do the base level skip trace. Um, generally, it's very hard not to find someone. You might just need to put a bit of effort into it. Um, next one. What is the limit for bankruptcy? Is that they put it up during the yeah they they put it up they put it down they put it up they put it down i'm pretty sure it's ten thousand yeah. at the moment i'm pretty sure it's it's back at ten thousand it did go up to 20 during COVID and then a little bit higher pretty sure we're back at 10. but uh, usually for an owners corporation can i say i mean in what 15 16 years it's probably only been once maybe twice that i've even gone to bankruptcy um, there's generally a better way to recover, and, yeah. and that's because they own the property. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, bank, bankruptcy <laughs> is an option, but we know they own the lot. That's obviously why we've issued the proceeding against them. So 
let's get the sheriff involved and see if we can apply some pressure on them to pay up before their property gets sold. But is, is warrant a seizure and sale versus bankruptcy, which one's a quicker process? With the warrant of seizure and sale, you've got to issue that warrant before you can get the um, warrant of um, sale. However, with the bankruptcy, you've got to issue a bankruptcy notice um, before you issue the creditor's petition. And, and so they can both take up to 12 months or longer. So, so during COVID, I would have told you that go the bankruptcy route. Yeah. yeah. That the sheriff is now back on track. They're back on track, yeah. So with a bankruptcy notice, you serve 28 days. You then got to issue your creditor's petition. Um, by the time you serve that, court generally sets its first date, six weeks from filing, you know, give or take. Um, they're going to get at least a four-week free pass, if not a six-week adjournment. And then all it takes is, you know, oh, I want to pay, I'm trying to refinance, here's, you know, a letter from someone saying they might give me the money or here's a letter that I've sent the bank and you'll get another four weeks. Um, you know, so uh, bankruptcy is generally pretty quick. The registrars in the federal court are pretty good. Um, if they smell a rat, they're not going to give that third adjournment, but you'll generally get the first two without, you know, too much work if you do it properly. And the trouble with that is by the time then you get to the trustee being appointed, the trustee has to do its investigations, the bankrupt's going to be non-compliant, um, the trustee's going to have to issue a proceeding. I mean, I've got one at the moment where the bankrupt just refused to comply. Um, 12 months into it, I issued a proceeding and it's taken me five or six months um, where on Monday we'll get a warrant of possession to be able to go in. So, again, in terms of timing, whether it's the trustee or whether it's a sheriff, it's sort of much of a muchness, but I can tell you the trustee is more expensive. But you'll still get paid because everyone's with the land. So it's just a timing issue. Have you seen where the member is in favour of something being reasonable outside of the technicalities of the documents for execution? Uh, where there's been a deficiency in the fee notice, for example, and nevertheless it's gone through? Yeah. Yeah. Rare, but if they're alive to it, it's less likely, but there is occasion where. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had um, final fee notices that don't list the daily rate. They'll just say it's 10% and some members might let that slide. But I think during COVID and because it's now all on the papers and they've got the ability to sit there and scan through the documents, they're picking up on things that we probably would have been able to get through pre-COVID. Um, but I suppose it depends on the member. But I, I do find, especially because of COVID and a lot of the financial difficulties that a lot of people have um, gone through, BCAT's looking at those technicalities to make sure that we're doing everything right before we go and force someone to pay money that they owe you anyway. But um, yeah, they I mean, find a way to maybe buy them a couple of extra months, I guess. On that interest, the daily rate, I mean, I've seen members previously just say, well, I'm not going to allow you interest that basis but we'll let you get an order for the fees i mean i have to say i disagree with the approach the tribunal takes to that mm -hmm. because there's um an act called the um acts interpretation act which is sort of a governing piece of how you read legislation 
And there's a provision in there that says, as long as, if there's a prescribed form, as long as what's provided is in substantial compliance, it's wording to that effect with the prescribed form, it's allowable. Now, I think the difference between 10% penalty interest and a daily rate to the average person who's reading it makes absolutely no difference. Um, but the problem is no one's going to take VCAT to the Supreme Court to get that question determined because why would you? It's stupid. It's only interesting to idiots like me um, as a lawyer. Um, if you had, you know, $100,000 owing or, you know, probably more actually because of 10%, you know, it's 10 grand, um, it's unlikely anybody will ever bring that point to a higher court. Um, but as I said, I think there's an argument, I've run it before, um, I think they're wrong, but that's the way they approach it. I've, I've only been in this issue for two years. It's been great today. Um, so I was just wondering, you know, from our perspective as an OC manager, as long as your documentation is all, as you said, um, trick, then um, yeah, it's yeah. Like in every case, per se, um, it would be invaluable. And that, if, if there's any takeaway for you guys, it's get your documents in order. Mm -hmm. It's the with us, like make sure the resolution reinterest is done, the budgets are passed, you know, when they need to be passed, your fee notices are in the right form. Don't have your meeting in late December. Right. <laughs> Don't have your meeting in late December. Um, you know, as long as you sort of follow those things, you generally can't go wrong. Yeah, that's right. I do like to uh, ask uh, Member Matthew a question. Is <laughs> <laughs> it here? Uh, why is it that um, BCAT being a tribunal and uh, based on legal legislation, why is it that if you present your case to 50 different members, you're going to get 50? Why the same thing is true of courts, though, okay? So, for example, in criminal law, Put the same set of facts, um, you know, if someone assaults someone, pleads guilty before a magistrate. Um, put that same set of facts before 10 different magistrates. Some magistrates might give a $500 fine. Some might be minded to give a good behaviour bond for two years. Others might give a $1,000 fine. Others might say, no, you know what, I'm going to give you 50 hours of community service. Um, nothing is to say that any of those decisions are wrong at law because everyone accepts intelligent minds can differ. Um, it's just the reality of it. Everybody is different. Everybody has their own views, biases, prejudices, all of those things. So and there's nothing no you can do about it. No black and white, uh, down the line, right. penalty for someone who doesn't want to pay. Right. And it's like, you know, you ask for $440 saying that that's a reasonable fee. Mm. And I said, no, I'll give you 200 bucks. Now, if Deb was sitting there, she might say, oh, I'm a bit more sympathetic to OCs. I'll give them 400 bucks. I'll give them 450. You know, Val sitting there might take the middle road and say, I'll give them 350 bucks. Um, th there's no criteria. There's no right or wrong. Um, all of those decisions but are that's open. That's why you go to court. It should be a right. But you're getting the outcome. It's just that's within that discretion. Um, and, and that's because, as Deb said, there's no... Um, nothing that I've heard, and I don't think you have either, that they're going to produce a schedule. So most courts have like a schedule of costs that would generally be applicable, subject to discretion. VCAT doesn't have that. And with all due respect to the tribunal, that um, test case that they've done with the three members 
I think that's probably caused more confusion than it has actually resolved anything. Um, because when you read the case, it doesn't actually set down a, a guideline even, um, which is what it was intended to do. Yeah, all three um, people. All due respect for them because they were three experienced members. Yeah. Um, but I think as lawyers, it's just given us more ammunition to argue. I should also add um, they've got a scale, non not scale, for the legal costs. So as I was saying earlier, they might award 550 for claims under 3K and 750 for claims over 3K. But again, um, it's up to the member's discretion. So if you've got a lot of that comes in with the sob story, you might only get your filing feedback, you might get nothing. So again, on a case-by-case -case basis, depending on the member, how sympathetic they're feeling, is the respondent likable? It's, it's <laughs> a complete discretion. And again, so long yeah, as it's exercised within, well, it's frustrating for us as lawyers mm -hmm. because and, you know, in, in the world of OC, it's a bit more clear-cut because you're arguing about money. Let, let's be honest, when we're doing fair recovery, it's about money. There are other cases you do about breach notices and all of that. It's just as frustrating there because, again, it's a discretion. Um, but there are certain parameters in which that discretion needs to be exercised. Um, that's why we have a job, I guess, you know, because you have to have that argument with the member and try and persuade them that even though the decision they need to make needs to be between here and here, they should make that decision at whatever end of that spectrum we want them to. And that's our job. Um, as I say, none of the decisions, even though you might get different outcomes, it's not to say that any of those decisions are actually wrong. And in fact, if you appealed them all to the Supreme Court, which you'd never do, but if you did, each of them might be upheld because they were within discretion. Those are the demands. Um, previously, there was no time to issue one of their demand per lot. If there's a lot owner that owns 10 lots. Mm -hmm. um, now, under that new sort of guidance, saying better off issuing one as a combined one. Um, and then your view on the necessity of having to issue a letter of demand prior to instigating legal proceedings, notwithstanding that's not mentioned anywhere within the OC Act. Yeah. Do you get attitude towards that? Yeah, um, I mean, I've always issued one demand letter for multiple lots where it's the same lot owner. Um, VCAT recognises that the OCs do take on that extra step, even though it's not required under the Owners Corp Act, but they recognise that maybe six out of ten will pay once they get that demand letter, and that's why um, I believe that that's why they've allowed it as part of the reasonable costs because the OCs are taking all these extra steps that they don't have to take but to try and not get to VCAT and then they're lumped with uh, a bill because the owners still force them to go down that path. But it's um, there's some OCs that have never issued demand letters and they'll go straight to VCAT. There's others that will do it on a case-by-case -case basis. But I, I find that... Um, as I said, about six out of ten will pay or will at least make contact. So it's still a useful tool, but it's up to the OC if they're wanting to um, take the risk of incurring that cost because there's no guarantee that they'll get it all back at VCAT. And it does help with the discretion when it comes to costs. So when you're asking the member to give interest, you know, they should just give it to you if you've complied with it. Um, but when you're asking for the OC costs plus the legal costs, having taken that step, when you can actually point out and say, they got the fee notice, they got the final fee notice, they probably got a letter from the manager or an email or a call or something, 
then they got a lawyer's letter, you know, you've got three to four, maybe five opportunities for them to say something. And if they then run something at the hearing, um, you can say, well, they could have said this six months ago and we would have explained this to them. And for example, you know, um, the common arguments you hear, my grass hasn't been cut, the furniture's tacky and all of that sort of stuff. Um, if they tell you that at that first stage and you send them an email back or you have a call with them that you can say, I told them this was irrelevant, the member's far more likely to be generous when it comes to those costs. Mm. Whereas if they turn around and say, well, I just got these two notices and then I've been brought to VCAT, um, the member's less likely to be sympathetic, I think, in my experience, yeah. and, and give you the higher end of, you know, your costs as an OC and, and legal costs if there's a lawyer um, representing them. Probably two very similar questions. Um, can VCAT design on payment plans or do they make an order for the entire payment? No, so VCAT doesn't have any jurisdiction with regards to payment plans. Uh, that's normally something that's decided um, by the owners corp. And there's one of two ways that we can do it. We can either agree on a payment plan and then ask VCAT to either make an order um, striking out the matter with the right of reinstatement or to make an order, we'll, we'll enter into consent orders and they'll make that order. Or we can say to the law owner, well, the OC has to preserve its position. So we will get the orders, but we will enter into a payment plan after the fact. What would be the consequence of restricting the use of common property to a law owner in a year? Uh, yeah, the OC can't do that. So if the lot owner takes you to VCAT to have their um, access reinstated, uh, it's very likely that the OC would be faced with an adverse cost order um, for doing that. There's no fine or anything like that, but um, you, you're going to have a very unhappy VCAT member. Um, so the um, owner's corporation um, common property is to be used and accessed by all lot owners or tenants that step in the shoes of the lot owner and there's nothing in the Act that allows you to block their access unless it's blocked for the whole building for some health and safety reason or security purpose. So after the OC, if they want to take that, but if the other side lawyers up, then you're going to get an adverse cost order. Do a case where an OC blocked access to like pool and gym, but all non-paying. Was that with you or did I do that? Uh, you might have done that, but I've just given advice to an OC that's tried to do that as well and told them no. <laughs> because if they bring into VCAT, I mean, they don't have to win inside of the state, no? No, 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 it's a different question. Different question. Taylor, different Taylor, question. Finish you can't answer their request of saying you haven't paid. No. no, because you've got no right to lock them out. Yeah, you don't get penalised. Remember that common property is owned by all the lot owners. The OC only holds it as custodian, if you like. So um, every lot owner in that lot has a legal interest in that part of the property. It's just too difficult to have, you know, in a hundred lot top div, have a hundred people on that title. And every time mm -hmm. someone leaves, comes and goes, somebody else goes on. So they just decided, let's make the OC the owner. But they own it, it's their property. So you're effectively excluding them from their own property. As a tactic, some OCs have locked a fob 
to engage, try and force the owner to engage in a conversation. But it's it's frowned upon, but it might be a way to spark the conversation. So. I will tell you, it's almost an inevitable way, though, that if an application came before the tribunal for like the appointment of an administrator um, or something like that, and whether that's because the OC itself was dysfunctional or because mm -hmm. the managers weren't looking after it, if there's a, a pattern of action like that, you're almost guaranteeing that an application like that would succeed. Yeah. Right. Hi, Deborah. I've had a situation where I've had an owner that wants to go into the motor room. And what I did there was, yes, except will be available. You will have to pay them the cost of the company. I come to you, but we also need to know why you need to go into that that motor room. And we never got a reply from so What I did is I popped on to him, and I want to know the reason why he just wanted to exercise his right as an owner corporation owner. I stand later. He brought it up with an AGM, but you know people try anything. I think. Um... Most OC rules would cover that you can't enter the room or you can't tamper with the equipment in the room. Um, if he's wanting to go into the motor room of a lift, I think the OC is well within its rights to say, yes, you can, but you need to have the right, you know, rightfully qualified person there. Um, and the OC could rightfully charge that um, feedback to the owner. Um, it's an interesting one, though, just because he's an owner, he wants to go in, but... Yeah. I have a weird one. Let's say the <laughs> another one. The parking lot, the parking lot, you want to install uh electric charger for your car. It is in the common property. Can you charge it to the OC? It's not technically private property, it's in the common property in the yeah. plan of subdivision. Well, Could you charge it under the cost of the OC? Well, the fact that you're proposing to use common property is an issue because you would need a special resolution to be able to use that and no doubt one of the conditions would be that any costs incurred um, would be paid by the licensee. So the OC might receive the bill and then when they look at the bill they'll see that this portion is attributable to your EV doc mm -hmm. and they'll charge it back to you or they might require that you put in the um, proper uh, equipment to be able to be billed directly. Thank you for listening. Aiken runs a quarterly series of seminar and webinars on legal issues for owners corporations and monthly breakfast sessions for business law. For more information on these and how to join our mailing list, please go to our website www.aitken.com.au or email info at for more information.